Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit in. Bradley, touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.
of the national championship game. She's going to call into the show tonight, but you can talk lacrosse, hang with the coaches, uh, either at Heritage Hill or listen right here on ESPN Syracuse tonight. Paul Sibilia has to go plug stuff in for that. Can't find his keys, then we're going to have a little problem there, aren't we? Hmm. See how that goes. We've got two great guests joining us today. Looking forward to Matt Perino joining us here. Uh, we are one week away from on the clock. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, can can we be honest for a minute here? Look, I love the NFL draft. I will watch it no matter what. I am less invested in this draft than ever before just because my team doesn't need the draft. My team, your Buffalo Bills, has arguably, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Bills fan, I'm saying it because it's true. They have arguably the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. And if it ain't number one, it's top three. So usually I'm well invested in the draft because they need the draft. The Bills don't really need this draft. Well, we're going to still talk draft. We're a week away, the moving, the grooving, where the trades are going to be, what the Bills would do. The Giants have a bunch of picks. Could they make a trade with their old friends in Buffalo, Joe Shane and Brian Dable? Matt Perino will join us this hour to discuss all things NFL draft at 5.05, exactly one hour from now, because Uncle Brent will be on time. Lucas Favalli, the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, is going to join us. The Crunch are surging. They are heading towards the playoffs. They have five of their last six games at home. And, of course, we're your home for crunch hockey as well here on ESPN Syracuse. Belleville's a big, big game tomorrow at the World Memorial in terms of playoff positioning and this funky system they got going on. And uh, the Crunch are just killing it right now. And Lucas Favalli's going to tell us why and how they are doing such a thing and if uh, we're ready to buy our playoff tickets and feel good about that. Playoff hockey just hits different, and we're going to have it. I believe so. I'm confident. In just a couple of weeks as the regular season comes down the stretch, we'll talk some hockey with Lucas. Nets-Celtics, heck of a game last night. Our uh, intern, Eric, huge Nets fan, huge. And not only does he just enjoy watching the team, he knows the stuff. He writes about the Nets. He does podcasts about the Nets. Like, he knows his Nets basketball and ain't a wee bit of trouble aren't they? So we'll go over that. Uh, Aaron Boone made quite an interesting decision today in the 3 nothing loss the Tigers handed the New York Yankees, but uh, I think a lot of Yankee fans kind of respect it. I'll tell you what that's all about if you missed it coming up. But, oh, ladies and gentlemen, Bayheim outlasts another one. I am always amused by this. I really am because I think, and I would never speak for Jim Bayheim, and God knows he listens so he could certainly uh, tell us this himself, but I always imagine, I believe he has been quoted as saying this, by the way, so I'm not telling tales out of school, that he takes a lot of pride in the fact that he has outlasted them all. I mean, you watch that ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Requiem for the Big East, which to me undoubtedly is the best 30 for 30. Some people say O.J. Made in America is the best 30 for 30, and I guess technically it is. I put O.J. Made in America like in its own category. It's that, that thing is so good that it's such a masterpiece to just dub it a 30 for 30 doesn't do it justice. So if you're just talking best 30 for 30, one episode, my all-time favorite, I think one of the best ever done, same director, by the way, is O.J. Made in America, Ezra Edelman, is Requiem for the Big East. Look at all those coaches in that thing. They're all gone. 
not dead, thankfully. They're just not coaching anymore. Some have passed away. Bayheim outlasts them all. You know when Jay Wright, who, of course, we're talking about here, who, very surprising. In this world where coaches are stepping down and it's hard to really, like, jolt you and shock you in sports these days, that took my breath away last night. I get home and phone buzzing a little bit. I'm like, oh, something's going on. Jay Wright retires. Now, Jay Wright is going to stay on at Villanova. He's taking on, it's kind of like an, a special assistant to the president. It was discussed in Orange Nation today. Paulie and I, uh, Paul Sebelia, who is keys and wallet currently missing, who knows where they are, don't know. Uh, they were talking to somebody on their show today about they, there could be a possibility they're grooming Jay Wright for something big at Villanova, the chancellor perhaps, maybe even AD. Guy's 60 years old, and you look at Jay Wright. I mean, I am not afraid to say that is one good-looking human being right there. That is one good-looking, well-dressed human being right there. And you're like, that dude's 60? Come on now. You know when Jay Wright took over at Villanova? And he had been at Hofstra before and was in the coaching game, certainly. But do you know when Jay Wright took over at Villanova? Jim Beheim was in his 25th year at Syracuse. Now, when Mike Krzyzewski stepped down, and it went through the, the coaches that just were stepping aside, Roy Williams, of course, kind of led the parade, and some big names just walking away from the game. Krzyzewski announces his retirement. We unfortunately lost John Thompson recently. And you're just, man, hearing all these names, like, all going by the wayside. And Jim Beheim just keeps forging ahead, just keeps recruiting, just keeps watching film, just keeps doing his thing. So Jay Wright steps aside at 60 and is ready to move on to other things. And and coaches are, are fueled by certainly competition. They're fueled by a desire to, to win, but it, some point legacy becomes important right if you have established a certain level program and you for example have not won a national championship right Jim Beheim accomplished that of course in 2003 but what if he had that would obviously be a big time motivation to keep going there's always got to be something you're chasing it's for some the thrill of competition is enough they need it it fuels them it's their oxygen And in the case of the Syracuse job, it's the perfect scenario. From October to April, you're essentially in season. You're practicing. The weather's miserable. You can just kind of put your head down and focus on what you do. Beyond that, things lighten up just enough that you're recruiting, you're working, you're doing your thing, but you can play golf. You can have uh, the the, uh, basketball galas coming up. You can do some charity work. You can do what you want to do. And the weather's beautiful. Not really today, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, we cherish our summer days and our good weather around here. It's the perfect job. It's the perfect scenario. But you're fueled by that competition, that desire to maintain that legacy. Now, if you're Jim Beheim, you've got something to fix. For the first time in your over 40-year tenure, you had a losing season. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the mind of a competitor. But it, when you get to the point, like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, another extremely well done 30 for 30, of course, which is almost kind of in its own territory, like O.J. made in America, like was almost making up reasons to compete, making up quotes and making up reasons that would make him want to just rip somebody's throat out. 
Like he got that good and accomplished so much that he had to invent slights. You never want to be in that position. So I would never want to speak for anybody, Jay Wright, Jim Beheim, anybody included. But, man, look, I'm going to pull this up. John Rothstein tweeted this today, and it's like, man, you accomplished something like this beyond the thrill and the love of coaching the game and leading young people and reasons why you would coach. Obviously, you make a lot of money. You're doing something you absolutely love to do. There's got to be that, that grind, that reason to really push yourself. But look at the last nine years of Jay Wright's career. And when Shashevsky stepped aside, Jay Wright became the face of the sport. He became the guy. If he kind of wasn't already lapping that already, but with the, the presence of Shashevsky around, that would be hard to kind of overtake. And, you know, Duke made a Final Four run this year, lost to Carolina, and that's, you know, some Coach K is going to have to take uh, forever, if you will, into uh, his life beyond coaching, but he's doing all right. But listen to this. Last nine years of Jay Wright's career, two national titles, three Final Fours, seven Big East regular season titles, five Big East tournament titles, 22-6 and six in the NCAA tournament, 263-45 overall, 83% winning percentage, 130-31 and 31 in Big East regular season games. This guy goes out on top, literally is the most successful coach Villanova's ever had. As one of the most successful coaches in the city of Philadelphia. And think about that with the professional sports influence there. A lot of great college basketball in, in that city. And he goes out as the face of the sport. Now, he didn't have that title for long. And some could argue it was Bayheim because he's the elder statesman now. But I think those are different titles. Jay Wright being the most successful and the face of the sport in essence of like you just think of who's the coach right now. It would have been him. But Bayheim outlasted him and he outlasted Roy Williams and he outlasted Coach K and he outlasted all of them. And we have been informed of the plan, the ironclad plan, the plan that we asked John Wildhack about yesterday. I wasn't surprised that John didn't get into it, but you know, the plan that Jim called this show to tell us about. We don't know when it goes into place. We don't know who it's for, but there is an end in sight. And, of course, the inevitable questions come up and people circle around. It's We've done this a lot lately, you know. I'm sure Jim got some calls today from some people and kind of rolled his eyes. Yep, here we go again. But, man, there's just got to be just that little, that little smirk, that little, like, I got you too, man, right? These are competitive people. And they want to be the best at what they do. And if you love what you do, and if it's not work, and if your health is good, and all those things that, that Jim has said himself, why would you retire, right? But to see that last night, I mean, Jay Wright. Now, he's sta- again, he's staying at Villanova. There's a lot of speculation he could go to the NBA eventually, maybe take on that challenge, and you know we'll see where life takes him. But you would be hard-pressed to find anyone that had a bad thing to say about Jay Wright. I've interviewed Jay Wright. It's been a delight to talk to Jay Wright. He coaches the game the right way. The legacy is built. Jay Wright's one of those guys. Like, you ever just meet somebody and you know, even though how incredibly busy they are, like, you really feel like you're the only one they made time for that day. There's just a certain presence that people have. There's a certain way that people have 
that makes you feel good. Like, man, I know that guy's probably the busiest person in the world, but the five minutes he spent with me, it felt like he blocked off his entire day just for that. Some people just have that effect on people. Jay Wright was like that. But it's also a, a true changing of the guard. Like, look around. I mean, Bill Self still at Kansas, and, of course, they just won the national championship, and there's still some big names in the sport, but, man, they're, they're, they're like, all gone. We have truly turned the page to the next generation of college basketball coaches, but there's one left hanging around, building a team, getting ready for that next season and that next game, and that's James Arthur Beheim. Eventually, he won't have that title, but he's got it now, and he outlasted them all. Incredible to think about. We will break on that note. We will come back, and we will switch gears to talk some football. We're a week away from the National Football League draft. And Matt Perino is going to give us the insight on what the Bills will do at 25 if they stay at 25, what trades we could see, and just the overall tenor of this draft. I think, you know, football fans certainly are going to watch the draft. It'll be highly rated. I'll watch all three days of it, and my wife will, you know, walk in the room and they go, that thing's on again. And, you know, look, I'm into it, and football fans are into it. The draft's always the draft. But I don't know. This draft feels like a dud in a lot of ways. We talk about how important it is in the trenches, and that's what this draft is all about, but it still doesn't mean it's interesting. Like, I don't, I could, we got a week to go. Some trades could be made, some surprises certainly will happen, and I'll end up certainly eating my words here. But right now, like, to me, this is one of the most uninteresting drafts I can remember, and maybe it's, again, because my team's actually good, and they don't need this thing. Maybe that could, that could be fully it, trust me, but we'll get Matt's take on all that. Coming up right now, we'll get Lee Baldwin's take on how things went on the market on this Thursday, April the 21st, 2022. Lee, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well, Brent. And where they went, we're down this afternoon. We looked pretty good at the start, but uh, gave it all back and then some. So uh, we closed pretty much down across the board. Our diamonds for the week, though, are the airlines. They had uh, record numbers of people flying as we come out of this pandemic, and now we're maskless. And the dog goes to Alcoa down a whopping 16% on supply disruptions. So we all need to go out and buy drink some canned beer this weekend. Oh, do your well, part. I will do that for my country. Let's go. <laughs> do it for your country, That's Brent. That's right. Ask not what you can do, what something or the other for your country. I will drink beer. That's what I will do. I will help us. The guy is drunk. Let's go. Um, by Let's the way, go. by the way, Lee, uh, glad we didn't act on that CNN Plus stock. We did oh, not, I know. Not going on that. Thankfully, we stayed away. <laughs> we're, well. we're good there. Now we'll have to talk about that Netflix thing. Do they have stock? Yo. By the way, is, is Netflix on on the on the? Uh, on they the board? used to tell him yesterday. I was going to say, yeah. Not anymore. They, uh, yeah, quite literally. Uh, they they do, but uh, not like it was. So well. Uh, uh, it's a long game. We got to play the long game. That's what happens when you borrow grandma's password. You know that the stock, the stock market. Anyway, thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. All right. You too. Thanks, Brett. There goes Lee Baldwin, folks. Go see him. Go see Bill. Go see Mike. All the great crew from Lee Baldwin and Company. So you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs like Netflix on your portfolio. We'll break. We'll come back. Matt Perino talks some football with us next. Football. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. 
This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Almost got a steal. Tatum down. Gets to his left hand. The fake it. Smart. Trying to get one up here. Shot by the one. And it's off the window. Now, I wanted to play that clip. You could barely hear the play-by-play guy, and that's why I wanted to play that clip. That building was so loud last night. That is as loud of an NBA arena as you are going to hear. Whatever corporate name is, is it still TD Garden, I believe, in Boston? And the Nets go down, and uh, for those of you watching on QSportsTalk.com, you can, you can see the pain on the face of our esteemed intern, Eric Slater, here, who is, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm This is like my version of the blind side. I'm just going to toss it over to him shortly and let him rant about his Nets. Let's go on, uh, do a little hot take, shall we? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. You've been hurt in a car. It's time to call William Matar. Easy number to remember anytime, but especially this time of the day at 444-4444. I uh, assume you would describe last night as a car wreck, Eric. So I, I turn the floor over to you. Uh, first of all, uh, promote yourself a little bit. Tell us where we can find your, your Nets content. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Slater NR. I run a blog called The Nets Report. I've been doing that since my senior year of high school. Awesome. And that's how long I've been waiting for the Nets to get to this point. And what do they do? They just they crush me. So rip your soul out. If you want to read my opinions, www.thenetsreport.com. You can find me on Twitter, but it hasn't been the most uplifting of right. takes lately. What was the most frustrating thing about how Steve Nash? I said Steve Nash, not Steve Nash. No, Steve Nash. Yes, Steve I'm right. Nash. <laughs> There's a I, lot of I'm frustrating right. yes, things. Yes, I, 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 my head got confused for a second there. What was the most frustrating thing Steve Nash did last night? The or most, didn't or didn't do in that case? He didn't do anything. <laughs> that's the, that's <laughs> that's the that's most it. frustrating that's thing it. is we have all right, the, the most frustrating thing about the whole aspect of it is there's been so many problems with the Nets this year, some out of their control, some in their control. But the one thing I never thought that I'd have to worry about is Kevin Durant absolutely just going off the rails in a spot like this and having That's weird. 0 for 10 in the second half and six turnovers on the game. It's the first time ever in his postseason or regular season career that he's shot 10 field goals in a half and not made one. That's incredible. Incredible. Is, is, that, there, is he tired? Is he hurt? Is there something? Something's off there because the one guarantee I had going into that game last night is Kevin Durant will play. And that didn't come through. What Durant and Kyrie were what one of seventeen something wild? I think they were both down the they stretch. Were both, yeah, they were both. I think four for sixteen on the game, something around Ugh. there. But the brutal the thing with KD is if you watch the Nets opened the game on a nine zero run and they were cooking in the first half, and it's because Boston's game plan is they just double him and they're all really big and athletic. And in the first ten minutes of the game, he was trusting his teammates. He was passing it to them. Bruce Brown had nine points to open the game, first nine points. And at a certain point, he said, I got to get mine. He stopped trusting his teammates, and he started turning the ball over. And that's that's what happened. Was The bottom line was he didn't trust his teammates. And he's the number one problem with this series so far. But Steve Nash doesn't do anything. I watched Steve Nash. I watched the second half of this Nets game. I think from 11 minutes in the fourth quarter to three minutes left in the fourth quarter, they scored two points. It's unbelievable. That's not, like, not good. Yeah. And, and I watched... 
I think I might have watched 15 straight ISO possessions where nobody, literally, it's four guys standing on the perimeter and nobody else is doing anything except for KD. By the way, I was confused earlier because I was saying the word Steve Nash, but I had a picture of Steve Kerr in my head for some reason. <laughs> but I wish, I wish it was Steve Kerr. See, that's the thing. That's the guy you want. But you pointed this out. Kyrie and, and Durant wanted Steve Nash. This is their guy, and now here we are in the biggest spot possible, and it's it's all falling apart here. Now, look, the Celtics are a good team. They're a great defensive team. You mentioned essentially how they play for fouls, and when you're at home and you've got that crowd going, you're going to get a few of those calls. So now that you switch over to Brooklyn, like I can't imagine that building's going to get anywhere near as intense as what we saw the last two nights. They're not going to have... I'm going to be at the game, game three. Oh, nice. I've, I've, I was at game five and game seven last year about against Milwaukee. It's taken a step up. It, it's Barclays gets to a point that it didn't used to, but a team like Boston's going to travel well, and you're still going to have a big Boston presence. It's not going to be like TD Garden. I mean, that's one of the most raucous places in all of sports. That building was insane last year. Yeah. And I the, was hoping they would do one of those things. You know when they do like the uh, – the little meter to yeah. tell you how loud it is. Like I yeah. want to know the decibel level in this building. Right well, the now. frustrating thing about that is, as loud as it was when the Nets were up by seventeen, it was the other way as quiet. And then the Nets let them back in the game. They cut it to ten at the half. And from that point, I really wasn't confident that they were going to win the game. All right. But what you said about KD and Kyrie, they mm-hmm. they pushed for Nash to be the coach. And I have a quote from Kyrie that he said on Kevin Durant's podcast a few months back, which is just making me want to pull my hair out of my head. You said, the sequence there, I don't man. really see us having a head coach. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach someday. Okay, well, great. Kyrie, I hope you watched the film from yesterday, and I hope we watch your chosen coach. Well, I saw your tweet that you would want who the Celtics have. Oh, well, he was on the Nets staff last year. And he was on your staff. It's, exactly. We had the guy in the building. He interviewed, and KD and Kyrie pick. Steve Nash, who, you know, I, I, I'm not going to act like I didn't. At the time, I thought this is one of the smartest basketball players of all time. He's going to do a good job here, even though he hadn't that coaching experience. Is there ever, I didn't think that we would revert to 10 straight ISO possessions when none of it's working. We have the most intelligent point guard of all time coaching the team. Put you on the spot. They done? They out? I'd put it at about, I was talking to Josh about this. I'd put it 38%. I don't know how I came up with that it's number. A very exact number. 38%. Yeah. I thought one in five was too low. But I thought two and five was too high, so I'd put it there that that they come back from two. They can do. I it. like that. It's not quite fifty fifty. Yeah, and thirty eight, you'd still be surprised, but not like impossible. Yeah, definitely not. Like 10%. not definitely yeah. not. Definitely not fifty fifty. They have a slim chance, but I, I I wouldn't say with KD and Kyrie as bad as they win. I think the whistle is going to shift when the Nets are home, and I think that's been the biggest part of the series. Honestly, they're they're horror movies. You know, like until they're they're dead dead. Don't count them yeah. out now. Before we let you go, new house at night tonight. New house at night tonight. I will Very be having good. some more Nets talk. I also got Mike Sealski from the Philadelphia Inquirer columnist there. He covers Nova, so I'm going to talk some Jay Wright with nice. him. Nice. So Very good. Be good. Watch and listen tonight. QSportsTalk.com. Intern Eric, ladies and gentlemen, and go read the NetsReport.com. That's hot. Staying in the New York sports realm here, a Detroit Tigers fans not happy with Aaron Boone today. <laughs> They can hear the boos, and why did they boo? They boo because, well, I mean, it's easy to boo the Yankees, right? But Miguel Cabrera was sitting on 3,000 hits, and Aaron Boone in that instance with second and third on, first base open, a natural time 
to intentionally walk a good hitter. Aaron Boone did such a thing, denying Tigers fans the chance to see Cabrera get 3,000. Here's what Boone said about it today. Yankees lost, by the way, 3-0. Oh, what a shame. We got a lot of respect for Meadows, too, behind him. Just, you know, the left on left, you know, I felt like, you know, the matchup, uh, you know, I, I just I just liked it a little bit better in that situation, and it came down to a baseball call for me there. And, uh, you know, tough decision, and you know, I thought, uh, Lucas executed a pitch, got the soft contact, but you know dumped it in there. So, um, yeah, tough call, but uh, one I had to make. Saw it earlier before the show, Aaron Boone trending, and I'm like, oh, what'd he do now? Yankees fans are pissed at this guy again. It was actually more in defense of Aaron Boone, which is a rare thing these days that collectively, and I know Twitter's Twitter, but Twitter is also a good kind of litmus test of something in the moment. And in the moment, Yankee fans were like, okay, I like this. Good for you. Don't just hand him 3,000 hits. Now, some can make the argument. Look, it is not Aaron Boone's job to assist Miguel Cabrera to 3,000 hits or to appease the Tigers fans that bought tickets that day hoping to see 3,000 hits. That's the risk you take when you buy a ticket to a game. It's not guaranteed what you're going to get. This isn't game 162, last at bat of the year. He's going to get it. He could get it tomorrow. The Tigers are home through the weekend. they got Colorado coming in after this Yankees series. So Aaron Boone did what Aaron Boone was supposed to do in that instance. I guess the counter argument you can make is spirit of competition, put a pitcher on the mound, make Cabrera earn it, as opposed to completely eliminating the possibility he could get 3,000 hits. But for a moment, for a fleeting moment, Yankee fans rallied around Aaron Boone today. Lucas Favalli is coming up top of the hour. We're going to drop the puck, talk some hockey with Lucas. We're going to have playoff hockey in Syracuse about a week or so from now. I think we are, but we'll see what the expert has to say. The blind side awaits us. We'll get more into Jay Wright retiring. Had some great feedback from you on a column I wrote today and something we discussed here on the radio as well yesterday that uh, we'll circle back on. Stay right there.